serve you. Amen. Please be seated. Laura, you know how you can tell this is an Episcopal church, don't you? Everybody sits in the back, so I'm going to go join you out here. I'm going to come to you. A little story. Um, I'm from the New York area, so this story means a lot to me. There are these two men. They had died. They were waiting in line to go talk to St. Peter. One was Pedro. Pedro was an illegal immigrant, came to this country, kept underneath everybody's radar screen, driving a taxi in New York City, got married, had a couple of kids, lived a good life, didn't go to church very often, only when he had to, and uh, life was all right. And then there was Father Bob. Bob had served the Episcopal, the Catholic Church for a long time, and ever since he was a little boy, he felt called to the priesthood. Well, they were standing next to each other in line, and they started trading stories about their lives. And as Bob heard about Pedro's story, he thought, oh man, I got it made. I served God my entire life. I've given everything to God. And Pedro's thinking there, I've done nothing. I've been to church. I don't worship God. I don't do a thing. What's going to happen to me? And after a while, they broke off, and Father Bob was feeling pretty good about things because he'd done the right stuff. Pedro gets called by St. Peter to the throne, and they talk a little bit, and Bob's trying to listen around the corner, hear what's going on. Doesn't hear much. Next thing he sees, though, is Peter reaches behind the throne and pulls out an absolutely beautiful silk jacket and puts it on Bob's shoulders. Bob's feeling, wow, that's pretty good. And Pedro's feeling that. Bob is thinking, wow, that's what he's got. Look, I can't imagine what I'm going to get. And after a while, Peter shuffles Pedro off to heaven. Then it's Bob's turn. Bob walks up. He's really, he's really happy to go talk to Peter. He tells Peter about everything he's done, including being called since the primary school days to be a priest and serving the church for over 60 years as a faithful, loyal priest. Peter listens and reaches behind and pulls out a coarse, horsehair jacket and put it on Father Bob's shoulders. Bob is heartbroken. His shoulders just sink. And then Peter shuffles him off to heaven, and Bob, very slow, finally turns to Peter and says, Peter, why? I've served your church all these years faithfully. I've sacrificed everything for the church. Peter, with a beautiful smile of love, says, that's true. But while you preached, people slept. While Pedro drove, people prayed. <laughs> There's a little truth in that story. How many of us know a Father Bob who boasts about all that they've sacrificed for their kids, their job, for their friends, for the church? How many people know people who boast all the time about how much they've done? And it worked. People climbing on each other's backs trying to get ahead. Did anyone ever see that at work? I believe we live in a country where we are crippled by the word individualism. It's all about me and what I can do, and what I've accomplished. Forgetting the fact there's probably a long line of teachers who supported me, taught me along the way. Parents, parents' friends, friends who guided me and kept me on the track. But oftentimes that is forgotten. People boast about what they've achieved. Let me ask you a question. How many of us feel powerful enough to stand up against any institution when they do wrong? 
scary, isn't it? It's scary. You usually get crushed for doing that. And I believe that's why Isaiah writes against individualism and warns us. He says about sacrifice. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, of lambs, or of goats. God doesn't need a want our sacrifices. God created everything anyway. But why did God create us? Anyone remember back in Genesis? For a relationship with God and with each other. And we hear that in Isaiah in response to the negative, what we shouldn't be doing, sacrifices. It's not about me or you or anybody else's individual sacrifice. What Isaiah warns us to do, encourages us to do is wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. First, the pronoun used is the plural. It's not about you personally, Beth, or me, or Eugene. It's about us. God is talking about what we need to do. And then each one of those words, how many of them are a success that I achieved something versus doing something? Anybody read a success there? No. We're asked to do things. The success is something God does. That's in God's power to do. We're here to serve as God's hands and feet to bring God's kingdom here in the earth as a community, not as someone running forward ahead of the cavalry, leading the charge. We're called to work together as a community. I was lucky enough to serve a small, fragile parish in South Bronx, New York. 17 to 24 on Sunday, about 40 on the rolls, an annual budget of $17,000. They were tiny, they were small and fragile. At the time Father Bennett came to them, the South Bronx, New York was burning. Did anyone remember that? Yeah. The city withdrawn services, rent control, so what landlords did is they took all the cash out from the rent and invested nothing in the buildings, didn't pay their taxes, and when the city started approaching, they burnt the buildings down, collected the insurance, and ran. So the South Bronx was a mess. It was a place of hopelessness. 70% adult male unemployment and almost 50% adult female unemployment. No hope. Schools with 60% of the kids are functionally illiterate at the end of eighth grade. It's a hopeless area. The little tiny St. David's under the encouragement of Father Bennett started talking to each other as a community. But how are we called to make a difference to our neighbors here in the South Bronx? How are we called? And over time they came together and they listened to each other part of Organizing is listening respectfully to other people. And they've got an idea that you may think is crazy, but you listen to it and you embrace it. And slowly over time, they talked about all the different needs of the South Bronx. And then they started talking to other Episcopal churches, Lutheran churches, Pentecostal churches, Evangelical churches. And slowly, South Bronx churches emerged. And then the Catholic Church decided to join, and that made a big difference. But it started with a little parish who thought the ridiculous, that somehow we can make a difference in South Bronx, New York, by listening to each other in community. South Bronx Churches has grown to over 22,000 people. That may not mean much to you, but that's enough votes to elect the governor or senator in the state of New York. That's power. 
And that organization came together and discussed all the needs in the South Bronx. Social services, police, fire, education, housing, place for the elderly, infrastructure, grocery stores, you name it, the list is a mile long. But as they listened to each other and respected each other, they came to the conclusion what we need is safe housing first, safe, affordable housing. So the Nehemiah homes were built, and they're a miracle. If you live at the poverty level in the South Bronx, you can afford to own a nice 1,800 square foot home in the South Bronx called Nehemiah Homes. There are 900 of them. 900. Started all by a little church. Everyone was just dismissed because they're tiny, they're fragile, who cares? But because they brought community together. And they didn't try to assert themselves as a leader, they just kept the community coming together, and then the community worked on itself. Beyond the Nehemiah homes, I said it's an area where over 60% of the kids are functionally illiterate at the end of third grade. They put up four high schools, Bronx Leadership Academies, one, two, three, four. It's a miracle. 90% of the kids who go there go off to college. Now, there are two ways into Bronx Leadership Academy. One, you, get, you, you apply and get admitted like a boarding school. Half the class comes in that way. The other half comes in because they're selected by a lottery. I took some pastors from Shippensburg, where I served before I came here, up to the Bronx to see the miracle of the South Bronx, to see what can be done if a church comes together. I took them to the Bronx Leadership Academy, and Jamie gave us a tour. Jamie told us his story. He lost the lottery. He's school phobic. He had learning disabilities. They made fun of him in school. His teachers belittled him. The class belittled him. He got beat up on by bullies. Life was horrible in school. He hated the idea that he'd been accepted to Bronx Leadership Academy. First year, they let him homeschool. Second year is homeschool and at the uh, high school. Third year is 100% the Bronx Leadership Academy. Last year, we met him in the spring. He is going to NYU on a full scholarship. This is a throwaway kid. You can listen to one miracle after the next. I brought some bishops there to see what happened. They had all the college admissions up on the wall for the kids. They ranged from Caltech to Bronx Community College and everything in between. A miracle can happen when we, the people of God, come together and learn what God is calling us to do and we do it, and don't worry about the success, that's God's job. Our job is to do as God calls us to do. The miracle of the South Bronx can be replicated here, it's been replicated in Boston, Chicago, um, New Haven, Connecticut, it's all over the country, it can be done right here. And it's not just the poor parishes that do it. South Bronx churches receive financial support and intellectual support from Trinity Wall Street and St. James Madison Avenue. So yes, there's a place for us to help too. We've got a lot of talent here. The question for St. Paul's is we are a community. And by the way, I've seen a lot of churches. This is a pretty good community. But the big thing is we are called individually and corporately to respond to God in love. The challenge for St. Paul's is how is God calling us? How is God calling us to use all the gifts we have? And I'm not talking just monetary. What are the gifts that we have that can go to help somebody in need in God's kingdom and bring God's kingdom here on earth. I believe that's the response to God's love for us, the fact that God has given us everything, unqualified love, we want for nothing. It's how do we respond in love? Discernment. And I pray that we, under Noah's leadership, 
begin to discern where God is calling us. Amen.